You know, fall camp might be starting today, but the story of today is how Tennessee recruiting just keeps on rolling and rolling and rolling. Bennett Warren commits to the Volunteers, where Tennessee ranks in the top 10 nationally. Your mailback questions and a whole lot more. It's your Tuesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols, and I uh, really appreciate you for being here. Shout out everydayers for coming back each and every day. Locked On Vols, it is your first listen every single day. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and as always, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast, and uh, you can watch us on YouTube. For those of you guys who are watching me on YouTube right now, did not uh, really realize until I hit record here that the shirt I'm wearing, it's kind of white and has like these lines on it. Anyway, it looks kind of funky in the camera, so do apologize for uh, making your eyes kind of strain a little bit if you're watching on YouTube, but hey, that's just uh, that's just kind of part of it sometimes. Got a fun show coming up. Fall camp starts today. Media day is today, tomorrow on the show, where you're going to hear from Josh Heupel, Tim Banks, Joey uh, Halsley, Joe Milton, all the players, and some of the highlights from media day, but practice starts tomorrow as well. So really looking forward to bringing you coverage of media day when that happens later on today, but uh, we're going to focus on recruiting today. Not just Bennett Warren committing to Tennessee, that was massive, but where Tennessee ranks and all that, what they're saying about Tennessee, uh, that's coming up here in a matter of seconds. We'll get into your mailbag questions in segment two and get back into scouting the opponent. We're at Missouri today, so that's what you had to look forward to here on today's show. All right, so we kind of previewed it yesterday. What would it mean if Tennessee were to land the commitment of four-star off at the tackle Bennett Warren? Well, about 10.30, 11 o'clock Eastern time, Monday morning, he goes ahead and commits to the University of Tennessee. And again, that was just, uh, it, it was a massive haul. Bennett Warren, four-star rated prospect. I, I mentioned this yesterday, but according to the On3 industry rankings, considered the 157th best prospect in the country, the 13th best offensive tackle in the cycle, and the 29th overall prospect in the state of Texas. And if you know anything about recruiting, the state of Texas is filled with with highly rated prospects, Texas, Florida, Georgia, um, you know, some of the uh, Florida, Georgia, I mentioned that <laughs> some of these Southern schools as well, but Texas is another Louisiana, Texas is a big one. And so for you to be top 30 in the state of Texas is big. He's a big guy, six foot seven and a half, 330 pounds off at the tackle, picking Tennessee over Michigan. And as I said on yesterday's show, when he came in for his official visit in June, he fell in love with Tennessee, really loved Tennessee. He's been all of all since. I think it took a lot of convincing for people in his inner circle and maybe family to jump on board with Tennessee as well, because again, it is a little bit of a trek from Sugarland, Texas, but Tennessee picks up the commit of Bennett Warren. And this is just massive for the university of Tennessee, because now the volunteers moved up six spots from number 12 to number six in the country. All right. Tennessee now has 19 commits for the class of 2024. Tennessee sits sixth nationally, Fourth in the SEC. Welcome to the SEC where it just means more, right? You're sixth in the country, but you're fourth in your own conference. Uh, that's nothing new to uh, obviously recruiting in, the, in this conference, but just a really, really good commit for Tennessee. And again, he joins an offensive line group made up of already four guys. He's the fifth um, of that group, two three-stars and three four-stars. And Bennett Warren, of course, is a an on 300 guy, one of the best prospects in the country. So again, Tennessee celebrated Monday morning, got some good news to start 
the week of fall camp, and and that was massive. But when you go over to VolQuest.com and check out some of the work that Austin Price did with Bennett Warren and, and of course, Matt Ray, and we'll get to it in a moment, but in a conversation with Austin Price, okay, to Bennett Warren, or with Bennett Warren, he was quoted in saying this, quote, I learned that there were about 30,000 Tennessee fans at that game, talking about the LSU game on the road this past season. I learned that there were about 30,000 fans, Tennessee fans at that game. It was clearly visible. That whole side of Death Valley was covered in orange. The power T was shown and the music was blaring from their end. It was absolutely huge. Again, LSU wasn't in the running here, but for a prospect to take notice of that on an away game last October and reference it in a commitment video speaks volume to the fan base and, and volume to what's going on in Knoxville, Tennessee, and obviously the urgency and the passion, the pageantry, everything that is college football. But, you know, for the University of Tennessee, just showing like, hey, Tennessee's got a good product. Tennessee is a good football team, and you can get 30,000 people to travel on the road and a prospect to comment on that in his commitment video. I just thought that was kind of huge. I wanted to bring that out, that that quote uh, from a conversation with Austin Price over at VolQuest.com from Bennett Warren when he committed. You look over at some of Matt Ray's work, the impact analysis, and he had a chance to catch up with on director of scouting and rankings, Charles Power. This is what Charles Power had to say about Bennett Warren. Quote, the first thing that jumps out of Bennett Warren is his massive size. He's over six foot seven, 330 pounds with a 7'1 wingspan. He is one of the bigger offensive linemen in the 2024 cycle. On film, he, he moves pretty well at that size. He uses his length and pass protection. He gets a good push in the run game. So I think from a sheer measurables and physical traits perspective, there is a lot to work with there. He goes on to say, uh, really looking forward to seeing him at an all-star game, hopefully after the season. There's no question, and if you're Tennessee, you're trying to not forbid that, but you're trying to go ahead and close that out and get him on campus for, for bowl practice so you don't have to worry about continually recruiting them, right? Um Again, from Charles Power, there is no question he is big, long, and has a lot of measurable skills to work with. I think when you're at Tennessee, Tennessee's going to, when you, when you see what Tennessee's adding to that offensive line, he really adds to a guy who kind of fits the type of lineman that offense has tended to exceed with because there's so much run blocking and RPOs. If you look at the way the offensive line plays in Josh Heupel's offense, I think Bennett Warren fits it well from a skills perspective. Again, that was a quote from On3's Director of Scouting and Rankings, Charles Power, and the impact analysis over at VolQuest.com. So a lot of good stuff happening uh, in terms of getting this commit to the University of Tennessee. I mentioned earlier again, I'll, I'll mention it again, Tennessee jumps from number 12 all the way up to number 6 in the latest football industry comparison commits over at On3.com. Sixth in the country, up six spots, fourth in the Southeastern Conference, and this class is looking really, really good. 19 commits. Okay, of the 19 commits, you only have one, two, three, four, five, six three stars. So 13 four stars, six three stars. And even the three stars, there's a lot to like about these three stars. Uh, Jordan Burns, highly productive linebacker from Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, playing the linebacker position. Idris Farouk, safety position. I think he should be a four-star already. He is a freak. 
Gage Ginther might be one of the best finds in this class, maybe much like a Nathan Leacock at last cycle. He will be a four-star when they redo the rankings here coming up soon. Jeremiah's Hurd is just scratching the surface of football. He's played one year of varsity football in high school. He's a basketball player, but of course a lineman, six foot eight, 293 pounds. I think he's going to be a steal in this class as well. Carson Gentle uh, and Jesse Perry, two in-states uh, recruits as well that have helped build on this uh, the line of scrimmage for this class uh, here as well. So, again, those are just the three stars. Haven't even mentioned, obviously, all the other four stars. Jake Merklinger, the quarterback. Caleb Beasley. Mike Matthews, the five-star wide receiver. This is turning into a pretty swell class, if you ask me, and it got an exclamation point with Bennett Warren on Monday morning. So, in just the last two weeks, four-star offensive tackle Bennett Warren, a huge win for Glenn Ellerby, a huge win because you need tackles. You had four interior guys in this cycle. You needed a highly touted tackle, and you got that with Bennett Warren. So you got Bennett Warren, Mike Matthews, five-star wide receiver, and uh, Edwin Spillman, four-star linebacker, one of the best, better players in the state of Tennessee. That is just the last two weeks. It's been a really, really nice swing for the University of Tennessee on the recruiting trail. It's not done, but of course, remember last year at kickoff, 21 commits. Tennessee now at 19. The bulk of the class is already ready to roll. And Tennessee, I believe, like I said yesterday, if Tennessee secures Bennett Warren, I think this is a top 10 class. It's not over yet. There's a long way to go, and there's not a whole lot of room for error here with you know, placing sixth right now in the top 10 but I think Tennessee will continue to add the finishing touches to this class. We'll see what Amari Jefferson wants to do. But I like Tennessee be, Tennessee to be a top 10 class for the for the cycle of 2024. So good stuff there. Tennessee landing Bennett Warren. We previewed it yesterday. And Tennessee went ahead and got it done here on air yesterday on a Monday. Hey, when we come back, we'll jump into your mailbag questions for the show. Fall camp media day is today. Practice number one is tomorrow. A lot of you guys are going to be asking about that. And we'll hit it here on the other side. But first, I want to remind you guys about our friends at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is a perfect fit. It's the same way when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need a part or some accessories, I encourage you to head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit... If it doesn't, your money's back. Not a bad deal, right? Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring a home win when your right parts are guaranteed. It's easy to bring home a win. Let me say that again. It's easy to bring home a win when your right parts are guaranteed the first time around. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusion supply. Hey guys, want to welcome you back here to Locked On Vols. It is your team every single day. Um, if you haven't already and you're watching this on YouTube, please go ahead and like this video. Let's get in front of more Tennessee fans. But I encourage you to subscribe to the Locked On Vols YouTube channel. Every single day, 30 minutes or less, 8K by kickoff. That's the goal. We're still a couple hundred away. Let's subscribe to Lockdown Balls on the YouTube channel. And, of course, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there as well. Follow, subscribe, do all that stuff. Uh, really, really do appreciate it. Let's go ahead and get into the mailbag edition of the show. It is when you take over the show each and every Tuesday. And uh, we'll go ahead and start with um, bogeys. I probably mispronounced that. Bogues, bogeys. 
Sorry about that. But I do appreciate you tuning in and giving us a question here. You say, has there been any word on how Milton has looked this offseason? I feel like as much hype as he's gotten for the upcoming season, haven't really heard much regarding how he looks in practice. Well, of course, they're not, they haven't had regular practice. That starts this week. Uh, you can go out there and throw in extra sessions with some wide receivers and stuff and, um, you know, workouts, you know, all that type of stuff. But, you know, overall, everything you hear is good. And again, I, I will, you know, disclaimer here every year in the offseason, every summer, it's always. All these guys are working hard. They've never been bigger, faster, stronger. They've never hit, been more, you know, what, better conditioned, all that type of stuff. But you hear good stuff about Joe Milton. He looked good. Saw him the other day at SEC Media Days. I think he slimmed down about 10 pounds trying to help with some escapability. Uh, so not necessarily to run, but to extend play, stuff like that. That's something I'm intrigued about is uh, Joe Milton. You know, Hendon Hooker was so good that when a play breaks down, he can run. Or, you know, when he's rushed, he can evade and make a positive play happen. Joe Milton had that long run down to the four-yard line against Pitt back in 2021. But how much can Joe Milton do of that in this offense? You know, we'll find out. We just don't have the answer. But him shedding 10 pounds, I think, will help in that regard. But I think he looks good. He's working hard. This is his team. Uh, everybody knows this is his team. He is the leader. And um, I think he's had a, a strong offseason from everything you hear in terms of leading this team, putting in the extra work, and all that type of stuff. Uh, we'll move on now next to um, Aaron. Let's see here. Aaron says, hey, I feel this whole season rides on week three in the swamp. I feel as if we do, if we go down there and um, put up a beating on them and Joe is doing what he needs to do, am I crazy to think that with the improvements of the defense and with a veteran linebacker and more wide receivers, could we make a college football playoff run? You're not crazy. Absolutely not. Especially if this was a 12-team college football playoff Tennessee would pro, you know, Tennessee might be predicted to make that field. You know, we'll see. Of course, Tennessee would have made it last year. Of course, um, I agree with you about the Florida game. It's huge. It's it's the tone setter. It's a tempo setter of the entire season. I've said that repeatedly this off season. Um, I, Florida, in my opinion, is not going to be very good. Uh, Florida is down, and they won't be down forever. There's still some good athletes that can still win this game. Don't get me wrong, but you're playing in a place in the swamp where you haven't won since 2003. You're playing in a, in, a, in a series historically that Florida has owned. I understand you got the win last year, and I understand you got the win in 2016, but the series has been dominated. And I am one to never believe, you know, one, you know, last year's team has no bearing on this year's team. And I, I, I agree and I believe that. However, you know, at some point it just kind of, kind of looks and says, hey, you don't play well against this team or you don't play well in this specific venue. The same thing can be said for Kentucky against Tennessee. So I think it's huge. You win that week three matchup on the road, as you should, you'll get that confidence, that belief in yourself, and it will help you propel into hopeful wins against South Carolina A&M, and then, of course, Alabama, Kentucky, so on and so forth, Georgia down the line. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to buy into the whole college football playoff run until we see that stretch of A&M, Alabama, and Kentucky. I think that is a massive stretch there after the off week. And, um, you know, depending on what they look like there, that's when I'll start having that conversation about a college football playoff. But to your point, the Florida game is absolutely massive. Uh, we'll move on now. We'll go to Seth. Seth, th Seth say that 10 times fast. fast. Seth says, <laughs> uh, what's something you need to see during fall camp to make sure to make you confident going into the season? And do you think eliminating divisions next year benefits us most likely battling UGA for the East again this season? We would have been in Atlanta last year if not for divisions. It's kind of a, you know, depends on which side of the coin you look at, right? 
it could benefit in that regard. But also, you know, how many times has the East the last couple of seasons just kind of danced their way onto it down to Atlanta when, you know, Alabama, uh, Auburn, uh, LSU, A&M were just really, really good. Ole Miss at points in times were really, really good in the West. Whereas in the East, Tennessee was down, Florida was down, Georgia was down. Remember Missouri's first two years here, I believe, you know, they represented the East in the SEC championship game. So I think it just kind of depends. I mean, sure, there'll be a year where percentage-wise and everything, you know, two teams from the same division could represent. Of course, divisions are going away, but you know what I'm saying. But I think more so than anything, there's been a lot of times where it's bailed you out as well. But I'm excited to do away with divisions so you can play more teams every other year. Um, I think that's what college football should be all about for the player, for the fans, and I'm super, super excited about that. Um, You also go on and say... Okay, about camp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do I need to see in camp? Um, you know, we're not going to learn an awful lot, especially this first week. Uh, you know, no turnovers. Everybody's staying healthy. Uh, progression of the offensive line for sure, and I'll get into that here in a moment with another question. Progression of the offensive line for sure. The secondary, who is separating themselves in the secondary is what I want to know. But more so than anything in camp, you want to see these guys win some battles, but you want to see everybody stay healthy. You do not want to see anybody get hurt in one of those scrimmages, and that's kind of you, you got to do it. You got to get some work in. Um, you absolutely got to get some work in, but also if you're a coach, you're kind of holding your breath because you don't want to get anybody hurt. Uh, let's go now. Let's go to Scott. And Scott's question is a little confusing. I'm not gonna lie. I saw this in a moment ago. Uh, while the hype and recruiting is and, and next year's performance are heating up to a fever pitch, uh, what are your predictions for all the Vols at a boy awards? Quarterback, receiver, linebacker, lineman, offense, defense, special teams. I think we will see more than we ever have. You mentioned attaboy, and I'm not sure what that means. You can always, you know, DM me and let me know again or tweet me. You know, Josh and Swain do a segment called Attaboy on the radio show where they kind of give a pat on the back for someone who deserves it. I'm gonna make this my own. <laughs> I don't know if this is what you mean, but I'm gonna make this my own. I'm gonna say uh, a position. A player to position that we're not going to talk a lot, but talk a lot about this year. But it's just going to be huge. Uh, defensive line: Bryson Eason, linebacker. I think um, you know probably Keenan Peely because we'll probably talk about Aaron Beasley a lot and probably Aaron Carter, but Keenan Peely, maybe Elijah Herring as well. Um, secondary: I will go to Mary McDonald because I think he's one of the more underrated players. Wide receiver: Ramel Keaton because he's going to go out there and he's going to produce for you. But I think that he'll be. In the conversation, he'll be third or fourth with Dante Thornton, obviously, Brew McCoy, and Squirrel White. And a running back, I will say Jabari Small, because I think Jalen Wright can take a step and maybe take over the lead back role. But Jabari Small is going to play a ton, and he's he's just a guy that has got great experience in this league, and he runs hard. Durability is just an issue there for him. Scott, sorry, I, I kind of interpreted the way that, that I, I just kind of made it my own. Let me know if you need some more clarification on that. Uh, we got two more. Let's go over to the YouTube channel. Roba22 says, all right, come next Monday, what do you think will be some of the headlines coming out of fall camp early? Thornton is for real, question mark. Secondary looks more athletic, question mark. Tackle positions look to be settling in, question mark. What would be your guess? Um, I'll need to check the schedule, and maybe that first scrimmage is on Saturday. Whenever the first scrimmage is is when we'll kind of learn a lot of things because – a lot of times that first scrimmage is moving day. You know, who performs well in that scrimmage? Offensive tackle, who won the line of scrimmage? The edges or the tackles? Or 
um, who looked good, who, who, you know, who didn't turn the football over that type of stuff, you know, in terms of like what we're going to learn early on in the fall camp. I don't know. That's a great question. Um, we only get to see a little bit. And of course there'll be an acclimation period. Like they're going to go shorts for a couple of days, shorts and helmets uh, for a couple or shells for a couple of days, which is um, helmet, shoulder pads and shorts. And then they'll get into fall or they'll get into full pads later in the week. So a lot of this first week is acclimation. So, you know, what you hope to hear is no injuries. You hope to hear no turnovers by the quarterbacks and seven on seven in the team. Um, on the flip side, you hope to see the secondary making some plays, uh, you know, jumping up there, batting balls down, interceptions, that type of stuff. And I want to hear some, again, offensive line wise, you're just not going to know until the scrimmage. You want to hear the most about the offensive line, that left guard, right tackle battle, but you're just not going to hear an awful lot until that scrimmage, in my opinion. So, you know, first week, essentially what I want to hear, no injuries, no turnovers from the quarterbacks, uh, separation from the defensive backfield, the cornerback position, anybody looking different, separating themselves from the pack, stuff like that. And then we will end our mailbag portion of this show with Zachary here. Said he's got two questions. Number one, who wins a natty at Tennessee first? Josh Heupel, Tony Vitello, Rick Barnes, or Karen Weekly, and number two, why are not why are more people not taking Tennessee seriously after the season they just had? Well, easy answer for your second one would be look at who you lost. Hendon Hooker should have been a Heisman finalist. Jalen Hyatt, Belinikoff Award winner. Cedric Tillman, thousand yard receiver two years ago. Byron Young, Darnell Wright, top ten pick on the offensive line. Easy question is to say, well, look who you lost. Also, an easy uh, an easy answer to that would be. Who's your starting quarterback this year? Joe Milton, right? What's the last we saw of Joe Milton in a starting role? Sure, I hear you, Orange Bowl, Vanderbilt, but true starting role. It was in 2020 where in a 2021, in a small sample size, he didn't look that good. And so I think those would be the easy answers there. But I mean, Tennessee, I think, is getting some respect. Second, you know, pick to finish second in the East, fourth overall in the SEC, a couple of different offensive players. Think of about it is if Joe Milton clicks, then this team will go. I mean, Hendon Hooker clicked the last two years, and this team went. If Joe Milton clicks, this team will go. As far as your first question, who wins a natty first at Tennessee? Heupel, Tony Vitello, Rick Barnes, or Karen Weekly? We'll see. Um, it is so incredibly difficult to get to Omaha in, in, in uh, college baseball. It's so incredibly difficult just to win it. Obviously, you have more of an opportunity in football because it's going to a 12-team you know, playoff, but some of those teams get buys to begin the first couple of rounds. I'll say baseball, even though I still think it's the hardest thing to do in all sports. I'll say baseball just because I've seen the way Tony Vitello has built his roster while at Tennessee. So many arms. So many arms. You build it with the arms, they will come. Build a dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. Over-recruit pitching. Tennessee has done that, and because of that, Tennessee's had the flexibility to do a number of different things, and Tony Vitello is going to continue to do just that. Plus, with the transfer portal, Tennessee's an attractive place. People want to come. Look at Cannon Peebles this offseason. Look at uh, you know Nate Sneed this offseason. Look at a number of different, you know, Billy Amick. A number of different people want to come here and play at Tennessee. It's an attractive place. So I'll say Tony Vitello, even though I do think it'll be extremely, extremely hard just because it's baseball. But hey... <laughs> You know, Tennessee football, you know, they're, that's not, you're not getting laughed out of the room if you say Tennessee football nowadays. You're not because Tennessee is back to where it needs to be. Let's see if it can sustain it this year. Hey, when we come back, we'll dive back into our scouting the opponent series. Missouri, 
the game before the big one, Georgia. What about the Missouri Tigers? I'll tell you all about them here as Locked On Balls returns. Media Day is today for Tennessee football, the official start of fall camp. It's happening right now. We'll hear from Josh Heupel, Joey Halsley, Tim Banks, some of these players all tomorrow, the highlights of Tennessee Media Day. And, of course, uh, on Wednesday, tomorrow, I will be at fall camp. I'll be at practice, and I'll come back and let you guys know on a Thursday morning what I saw all that right here at Lockdown Falls. Uh, we're almost done with our Scouting the Opponent series. Only three more games left to do. And today we are at the Missouri game. Week 11, game number 10, November the 11th, and it's on the road at Missouri. So far, the last two seasons, and while Josh Heupel's been here, Tennessee has absolutely dominated this series. Remember, uh, Josh Heupel used to be the offensive coordinator at Missouri. Did some pretty good things. Had some pretty good offenses with a certain quarterback by the name of Drew Locke. You remember him? But in two seasons at Tennessee, ten Tennessee has outscored, Josh Heupel's outscored Missouri by a combined 128 to 48. And remember, 34 of those points came last year. Tennessee doubled up. Tennessee scored, I don't forgot the name of or I forgot the final score of that game, but Tennessee was like 63, 38, or 34 or whatever. But in two years, it's been Tennessee 128, Missouri 48. And in those two games alone, the offense has combined for over 1,400 yards. Tennessee's flat-out dominated this series so far, and Josh Heupel will look to do the same in 2023. Um, Eli Drinkwitz coming back for his fourth season at Missouri, in Columbia, Missouri, and he's the most overrated coach in the SEC. He's making $6 million annually to what? Have a losing record, 17-19 overall at Missouri. Uh, tries to say relevant, tries to crack jokes. I think it's hilarious. Not, I think it's annoying. Um, Eli Drinkwitz is just kind of that. This probably be this might be his farewell in the SEC farewell tour, at least as a head coach, at least this time around. But we'll see. Uh, last year they were six and seven, three and five in Southeastern Conference play. And Eli Drinkwitz, he's an offensive coach, right? Well, the offense was just abysmal last year. Ranked tenth in the SEC with twenty five and a half points per game. Ranked eleventh in the SEC with three hundred seventy one yards of total offense on average. Passing offense just averaged 212 yards through the air a game. That was 12th in the SEC. The offense overall, 13 touchdowns to nine interceptions. That is not good enough in Southeastern Conference play. A new offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore, coming over from Fresno State. We'll see if that helps. And we'll have a, quite the quarterback battle upon him in fall camp. The leader in the clubhouse, you would assume, would be Brady Cook. Last year in 12 games, Brady Cook completed 65% of his passes, which was really good. 13 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, okay. But of those 13 touchdowns, 6 of those came in non-conference play. So, uh, again, not a, not an awful lot to kind of go on there if you're Brady Cook. However, Brady Cook is a really good rusher, second on the team in rushing with 546 yards and 6 rushing touchdowns. So there's a little bit of a dual threat there. Brady Cook, barring injury, in my opinion, is going to be the starting quarterback for Missouri. But you also have Sam Horn, former Tennessee targets in the 2021 class. And Miami transfer Jake Garcia is coming in to compete in camp for the quarterback job. In eight games last year, he threw for 803 yards, five touchdowns, and four interceptions. So uh, agenda number one for new offensive coordinator Kirby Moore, who's your quarterback? I think it's going to be Brady Cook. A wide receiver is obviously leading wide receiver, Dominic Lovett. Uh, he transferred to Georgia this offseason. He was really good, especially out of the slot. 56 receptions, 846 yards, and three touchdowns. He's now at Georgia, so now it is Luther Burden time. 
the former five-star recruit from the state of Missouri, as a true freshman last year. He had 38 receptions, 329 yards, and five touchdowns. Not bad. Now he's going to be expected to step up and be one of the better better wide receivers in the league to be a number one wide receiver. He'll be joined by Mookie Copper, who had 20 receptions last year, and let's see, Oklahoma transfer Theo Weiss will also join the party there in Columbia. Running backs, not very good. Average only 138 rushing in SEC games last year, but your top two leading rushers do return. Top three if you count Cook. Cody Schrader, 692 yards, 4.4 yards per carry in 2022 with eight touchdowns, and Nathaniel Pete was not a factor in the Tennessee game, but I remember studying up on Missouri. Uh, he was a decent back, but not in the Tennessee game. 425 yards on the on the ground last year with a pair of touchdowns. So an interesting stat here from the offensive line. Though it returns four start four offensive linemen with starting experience, no team in the SEC last year allowed more tackles for loss than that of Missouri's offensive line. Missouri's offensive line averaged 7.77 TFLs a game, meaning they gave up nearly eight plays behind the line of scrimmage a game last year, whether that be sacks, uh, you know, gains uh, of minus one or two in rushing, whatever the case is, that is not a good stat. So quarterback, I think you're fine with Brady Cook. Is he great? No, but is he decent? Yeah, um, I think he'll win the job. You bring back running backs, you, you lose your best weapon, a wide receiver. Uh, I think Missouri is going to be kind of mediocre on offense, but at least you do have a quarterback that's been there, done that, and one dynamic weapon, a wide receiver in Luther Brown. You look at defense, and this is where Missouri was pretty good last year. Pretty stout. If you remember in 2021, just awful. Just awful. Tennessee put up, I believe, a program record, like nearly 600 yards of total offense against Missouri on the road in 2021. Just, just awful. But in 2022, was pretty good under new uh, defensive coordinator Blake Baker. Now he's in the second year. He was a linebackers coach at LSU, if my memory serves me correct. He did a really good job last year. In 2022, uh, Missouri ranked fourth in the league with 338 yards, surrendered a game on average, fourth, and giving up 127 yards on the ground per game. It's not bad. Uh, they bring back eight starters as well on the defensive side of the football. Linebacker Tyrone Hopper, best player on the field, 13.5 TFLs, 68 tackles last year. He's a, he's a linebacker. He'll be joined by Chad Bailey, another experienced linebacker as well. You do have to replace a number of guys on the defensive line who have gone to the NFL or transferred. On the edge, defensive end Isaiah McGuire, really, really good player. He was drafted. Uh, interior, Coleman or uh, DJ Coleman, he was drafted to the NFL as well. Uh, Tr Trey John Jeffcoat, an edge rusher as well. He transferred out of the program. So those are some big shoes to fill if you're uh, Blake Baker, the defensive coordinator up front. Now, you do bring in Arizona State transfer Joe Moore, which I find it interesting. There's the Joe Moore Award that's given to the nation's best offensive line group in the country. This is Joe Moore from Arizona State, now at Missouri, a defensive lineman. He had 24 stops and two sacks as a defensive end at Arizona State last year. Um, the guy in the middle that is a really, really good player, Darius Robinson, he had five and a half TFLs and three and a half sacks last season for Missouri. Now you look at the secondary. Pretty decent in the secondary. Cornerback Chris Abrams-Drain, he had 14 PBUs. He is all over NFL boards. Really good at cornerback. He's at least going to lock down one spot in the secondary at cornerback. And then your safeties, 
your two starters from a season ago, they return, and Jalen Carlisles and Joseph Charleston. Joseph Charleston led the team with 72 tackles last year. But as we always say here on Locked On Balls, if your safety is leading your team in tackles, that is not a good defense. Overall, Missouri is not a gimme. You can't sleepwalk through it, especially on the road, in my opinion. The defense will be middle of the road, in my opinion, pretty stout to middle of the road to, to better half of the SEC. But there's questions on the offensive line. You know, who's going to throw the football to you? I think it's going to be Brady Cook, but can you be better in SEC play? And what weapons do you have outside of Luther Brown? Big-time question marks for Eli Drinkwitz and Missouri on offense. And, of course, that's the game for Tennessee right up before Georgia at home on November the 18th at Neyland Stadium. So uh, we continue on through our Scouting the Opponent series. We are, we'll talk Georgia and Vanderbilt later this week to wrap up this little mini-series all right, here on Lockdown Balls. But, hey, the highlights for tomorrow, what did they say? What did Josh Heupel say? Joey Halsley, Tim Banks, Joe Milton, other players. We're going to get like 10 players who are going to be meeting with the media tomorrow. I'll have highlights of all that. That's what you had to look forward to right here on a Thursday, Lockdown Balls, or a Wednesday, Lockdown Balls. Uh, really, really can't wait. Fall camp is here. Get to see some football this week. I'm going to tell you all about it. Everything I see right here on this podcast at Locked On Balls. Everydayers, thanks so much for being here. If you're not an everydayer, please subscribe to Locked On Balls and YouTube channel to figure out how to be one. Come back tomorrow. Make this your first listen. Appreciate you guys. This is Locked On Balls.